to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We are your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. This is Episode 7, and our topic for today, falling into the trap of prepping for major SHTF, but overlooking the ordinary. Before we get to our topic, let us invite you to go to our website, practicalprepping.info. Our site was built and is maintained by ProLine Designs in North Carolina. They're big enough for any project, but small enough for personal service. We dealt with Eric, and he made the whole process so simple for us. Check them out at www.prolinedesigns.us. If you need a website, custom app, hosting, they're the folks for you. You'll find their link in the show notes as well. Let me tell you about a bakery near us with some of the best goodies you will ever put in your mouth. We're talking about Jonica's Bakery at the Lake in Guntersville, Alabama. You might ask, why are we talking about a local bakery on a podcast with an international reach? Well, first, with, if you're within driving distance of Gunnersville, Alabama, you'll certainly want to go by and see what we mean. Uh, if you aren't within driving distance, you'll want to go to their website at jonicasbakery.com. You can also find her on Facebook. You can order many items that she has available for shipping. Here's just a few. Chocolate chip cookies, snickerdoodles, million dollar cookies, white chocolate cranberry, pecan sandies, brownies, cinnamon cups, almond butter brownies, and pecan bars, just to name a few. What are million dollar cookies? Well, they don't cost a million dollars, but they taste like a million dollars. They're made with chocolate chips, white chocolate chips, toffee bits, and oats. And they also have a certified nut-free kitchen to serve those with nut allergies, and they can also make you anything gluten-free. We're going to link to them in the show notes, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Go to their website at jonicasbakery.com. That's J-O-N-I-C-A-S-B-A-K-E-R-Y.com. And order some. You'll see what we mean. We've also started a new segment called 10-Minute Tuesdays. It's a mini-episode that goes up on Tuesday and runs around 10 minutes. We never know what the 10-Minute Tuesday topic will be. This week, it'll be after the election, what do we do? Another week, it might be lighthearted or a gear review or something in the news or answering listener emails. So subscribe to the podcast and check out 10-Minute Tuesday. One more announcement. We'll be having author Don Keith as our guest in an upcoming episode. Don has authored over 30 books several of those on amateur radio, and several on submarines of World War II. One book that he did was on the Nautilus, the first submarine to go under the polar cap. Don, along with George Wallace Jr., who was actually a nuclear submarine commander, wrote the book Firing Point, 
which became the highly acclaimed movie Hunter Killer. This is actually a book series, and I really do hope that more of those books become movies. If you like suspense and action, you'll enjoy those books and the movie. And Don has another documentary movie coming out this week, actually. It's Colors of Character, and it chronicles a young man by the name of Steve Skipper, one of America's most prolific and honored artists in the art of painting. I believe it comes out uh, across the country on November the 11th. So look for the interview with Don Keith probably on next week's episode. So let's get to our topic for today. Falling into the trap of preparing for a major stuff hits the fan, but overlooking the ordinary emergencies. Yeah, last September we were... Uh, moving my mother she decided to sell her home and downsize and she was moving and I went to pick up another family member and I had a small cut on my hand and something was said about that in the car and I said you know uh, here we are riding down the road and I've got three first aid kits in the vehicle that we're riding in capable of handling a gunshot wound a knife wound a sucking chest wound or probably even a limb amputation, but I did not have a Band-Aid. I'd fallen into the trap of preparing for the major injuries, which most of us rarely encounter, and fail to prepare for the everyday run-of-the-mill things that can happen to us. On a forum recently, a person asked people's preference of distilled water, spring water, or drinking water. One poster jumped in and said that anything other than spring water was stupid and that CPAPs wouldn't work anyway. He had made the immediate leap to the worst case scenarios, a total grid down. There are a few lesser possibilities, not necessarily in scope, but uh, further down from a total grid down. And that's an example would be Flint, Michigan. You know, they had power and they had uh, services, but their water had some tremendous issues and their water was unsafe. So that could be considered an emergency that would need some sort of addressing. Another one that I've heard a lot about, I was not living in Alabama at the time of the big blizzard of 93. My family went through seven days without power. We used uh, battery power and an inverter. Mm -hmm. The heat was off, but we were able to use supplemental heat that we had made preparations for. And interestingly, when it came to uh, not being able to use the refrigerator and the freezer, we put a cooler out on the front porch for a uh, to put the refrigerated items in, and we packed we snow packed our frozen items. Mm-hmm. to be able to keep those. In 93, we had a blizzard where I was living in North Carolina. We were without power uh, probably one day, but there was enough snow and ice on the road at that time that there was no uh, going to any school or work for a five-day period, which was very unusual in North Carolina to miss more than one or two days for snow. So we had our own issues to deal with. Mostly it was, you know, people driving and not being able to drive well. and That certainly caught a lot of us by surprise back at that time. So, And that, your family you know, went through Hurricane Hugo too, yes. didn't you? We were living in North Carolina in 1989, and Hurricane Hugo hit Charleston. And normally when he, uh, hurricanes hit land... 
they begin to dissipate almost immediately. Um, just depends on how fast they're moving. In this case, Hurricane Hugo just traveled right up the uh, Catawba River and uh, came right up into the Charlotte area, north of Charlotte, up into the Concord area. And we did have some sustained winds of 115 to 120 miles per hour during that fateful evening. It all happened in the dark of night. And uh, the next morning when the sun dawned and we were able to look outside after having lost power and not being able to see anything, it was complete and utter devastation, just like it would be at the coast. And there were a, there was a 7 to about a 12-day no-power situation uh, there. We lost everything in our freezer. We had to chunk the freezer, and insurance paid for that. And uh, it was a mess and a nightmare. How was your feeding situation during that particular period of time? Well, fortunately, in our county, we found that there were areas that did have power. And I found that a lot of the grocery stores and even my place of business actually had power. So there was a way to get food. Uh, a lot of us had to either use large coolers, buy a lot of ice to keep things cool, or some people on certain areas of town never did lose their power. It was a mixed bag. So it wasn't usually a situation where the entire county was in need, but enough people were. We were we were finding that trucks of food were coming in by the hour at most of the grocery store outlets. And um, we were doing a lot of grilling uh, before the meats were going bad out of the freezers, we were grilling out and we were sharing with our neighbors and we were trying to get that taken care of and it became creative. I, I remember it became a real creative, everybody kind of jumped in and helped everybody else and uh, it actually brought out a lot of good in people, I found, and I was, uh, I, I learned a lot of good things from having that experience. You know, recently our country's gone through COVID lockdowns and they may not be over. But uh, everything was working. Uh, all mm -hmm. the utilities are working, power, water, gas. But we were told it was dangerous to be out. And because of that, there were some issues with food supplies. I know that we were seeing uh, empty shelves in some of the uh, grocery stores, particularly mm -hmm. in uh, paper goods, toilet paper, paper towels, things like that. Uh, but what about... Uh, prepping for things like that. Uh, in our case, we were able to just go right along. We had no panic here. Uh, we had toilet tissue. We had food. We have everything that we needed, and we did not have to go out, at least for the first few weeks. Uh, after that, we went out and topped off a few things like fresh vegetables and meats, but otherwise, we were in pretty good pretty good shape there. Another thing that folks need to prepare for, and uh, these are not total grid down situations, but they are definitely SHTF stuff hit the fan if it happens to you, and that is a job loss. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, COVID has forced many people to work from home, but you know, not every job can be done from home. There's plenty of folks out there that have to go to a place of business in order to have their job. And sadly, we have seen restaurants and family businesses and dry cleaners, small, small town interests. Many of them just could not weather the economic storm that kind of went through there. And so a lot of folks have done that 
gone through that job loss and they've had to get the unemployment, which is good, but it certainly doesn't replace every dollar that they've lost. So uh, food and shelter and clothing and those kinds of things are very important when you're trying to be a practical prepper. You know, there, there's very few people that can say they absolutely know for a fact they won't lose their job. Uh, there's a lot of folks that never thought it would happen, and guess what? It happened. And some of those people receive no notice when they go to work is right. when they find out. That some, the, some drove up to work, found a locked door, and the ex- lights exactly, were off. Exactly, and you still have to eat. You still mm-hmm. have to uh, pay your bills. And in times like that, uh, your food preps, they really relieve a lot of the pressure that comes from uh, the concern about how am I going to feed the family? You know, this paycheck this week is the last one that I'm going to have until I get a new job. Uh, So how am I going to feed the family? That's when it's time to break into the food preps and uh, focus your energies on finding a new job, not worrying about where your next meal is coming from. Mm -hmm. Financial prepping uh, also helps in that area to allow the, the bills to be paid uh, we're doing better. Uh, we have our emergency fund in place, and we are increasing our savings. In addition to our retirement savings, Those uh, we consider those untouchable, absolutely untouchable. But we're increasing our savings, and uh, just to be better prepared, things come along. We mentioned an emergency fund, Bet. very unexpected expenses that come along. You blow a tire. You have to have some type of auto repair done. We were traveling. This We'd been married one week. We, this was the Saturday after we, well, we'd been married eight days, excuse me. We picked up uh, Krista's mother and dad, and we were going to his family reunion in the mountains of North Carolina. Tennessee. Uh, yes, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, I, for some reason, I have North Carolina on my brain tonight. Mm-hmm little fella up there I want to get in the floor and play with. (laughs) But we were on the way to um, Maryville, Tennessee for his uh, family reunion. We stopped in Chattanooga and ate lunch at the Cracker Barrel. We came out. We got in the car. We started to drive. There was a pop. Left wheel wanted to go left. Right wheel wanted to go right. We'd broken a tie rod. We were dead in the water. It required getting a tow truck and taking it to a shop and having that uh, broken tie rod replaced. Thankfully, uh, we had the funds to be able to pay the bill. It wasn't as expensive as it certainly could have been, but uh, it was a couple of hundred dollars between the tow truck and the repair and things like that. So you just need to have some preparation made for those kinds of things that might be unexpected expenses. How about flat tires, dead batteries, normal emergencies? How do we prepare for those? Well, absolutely. You've got to be able to carry either a spare tire, and you've got to be able to know how to change that tire. I will give my dad credit. As a uh, as when I was a very young girl, probably I'd say 12, 14 years old, uh, before I could even drive, he taught all of us kids. I'm the fourth of six kids, and he taught all of us how to change a tire, how to jack the car up, get the lug nuts loose, pull the tire off, put the spare on. And I'm telling you, it's it's heavy work, and it's it's not a lot of fun. But, you know, it's necessary to just know some things. And uh, I think that uh, we've reached that area in our life now where we just can't be the kind of people that just depend on everybody else for everything else. 
men and women, you've just got to get in there sometimes and get your hands dirty and do some stuff. Learn how to change a tire. Learn how to jack up a car. Learn how to check the oil. Pump your own gas. Do those types of things because you need to have some knowledge of that sort of thing. And, and teach you your know. kids to be able to do those Absolutely. things as well. You know, we look around our car. We carry a get-home bag. Uh, we have a knife, fire starting equipment. We carry extra mm-hmm. socks, water filter. Some folks carry sleeping bags, all kinds of shelter but do you carry jumper cables how about jump box or jump box jumper cables how about some type of um, tools for minor repairs Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have the knowledge to be able to change a radiator hose for example very simple to do even change out a battery if you have to purchase a new one how about carrying tire repair uh, materials for tubeless tires, even a can of fix-a-flat can get you off the road. There's a lot of things that come our way that we need to be prepared for. How about power outages? You know, you might have a generator at home, and that's great for somewhat extended power outages, but what about 20 minutes or two hours? If that generator's in the garage or the basement, you've got to go drag it out and set it up. And just about the time you get it pulled out, the power comes back on. So, you know, my inclination is we're going to give this a little bit of time, see if it's going to be an extended thing that we need to pull out a generator or if we need to handle this another way. Uh, how else would you, would you, Chris, be handling this? How could we handle this here at the house? Well, first of all, what's the reason for your power outage? Likely it's going to be a storm. Uh, Could be a storm. Here lately, it seems to be people running into power poles and knocking them down. Oh, you know, that's right. You know, a lot of times it is a a car crash of some sort. And you've got to check things, too. Make sure also it might be a lightning strike that has done a power surge. And if that knocks your lights out, when they do come back on, and I'll get to something in a minute but when they do come back on be sure to check your refrigerators and freezers a lot of times if there's been a really rough power surge that can actually knock those off so your power's out it's dark you need to know where your safe lighting alternatives are and this would be flashlights i even carry a little flashlight on my key ring and uh, I know where the flashlights are in different drawers and, and uh, shelves and even top of the refrigerator. And There's a flashlight in every room in the house. So no matter where the lights go out, we can find a way to around them. Some people say, well, why don't you just light a candle? Well, a lit candle can be okay. Not necessarily the safest alternative to have. I'd rather have a flameless candle, one of those battery candles, simply because a burning candle can sometimes be forgotten. Once the lights come back on, you know, I don't want to be doom and gloom here, but I do want to be very careful with people dealing with fire and trying to depend on flaming candles for light when I feel like a flashlight's a much better alternative. And that's not to say that we don't have candles here. We do. Mm-hmm. But if we light candles, then we're very, very cautious with those candles. They're, they're not close to anything. And I'm not going to light a candle and leave it in another room. I want to be in the room with the lit candle. Exactly. You know, I want my exactly. eyes on it. And there are things that put out a lot more light uh, for doing normal things, uh, like uh, battery-powered lanterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're great for putting one uh, in a room, and it provides light for that entire room. You can even put one in front of a mirror, and it'll reflect the light into right. the room, and it'll double it. 
And if you're working, doing something, headlamps do a very good job. Your hands free, able to put the light where you need it for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when we talk about power outages, you also need to have a way to charge your cell phone. These power uh, bank batteries are good if you keep those charged up. We have a couple here that travel with us. And those can be used for charging batteries. Worst case, you don't have that. You can go put it in your uh, lighter plug in the car and charge it up in the car and bring it back in. Something else that we have, we're talking about storms knocking your power out. A lot of times people will lose their satellite, their cable, their dish, direct TV, whatever. If they're not on an antenna TV, You can th- those things can get knocked off a lot of times. So we also have an alternative television that's strictly antenna TV and can often get broadcast networks when we cannot get any of the cable or dish type networks otherwise. Well, what we're looking for there is local weather. Uh, When the television station goes wall-to-wall weather, we want at least one television that we can keep up with what, uh, what they're saying there. All right, let's talk about physical injuries for a minute. You know, there's nothing wrong with practicing suturing, having cellox, bleed stop, chest seals, decompression needles, or even an AED. What's an AED? Automatic electronic defibrillator. Ooh. And there's one in the back of my patrol car. Okay. Sitting right outside, which reminds me I need to get you uh, certified on that because mm-hmm. it's here, I'm here. If I need it, I want you to know how to use it. Right. Well, all of those things are great, but are you equipped for a skin knee? Or a bad cut. Can you do CPR? Can you do the Heimlich maneuver? You know, my dad was out of town fishing with a friend of his one time, and they were in a restaurant eating, and his friend got choked. Dad actually wound up doing the Heimlich maneuver on his friend, so he got up and he did the Heimlich maneuver, saw the guy was okay, sat back down, went right back to eating just like nothing had happened. (laughs) And I think part of that was to assure his friend that, you know, you're okay, everything's all right now. But there's some things to look at when we're looking at being prepared for the big stuff. We also need to look at being prepared for like minor burns, minor injuries, insect stings. Uh, What are some of the things that we have here uh, for these types of things? We do carry a a variety of um, antibiotic ointments and creams, uh, burn cream, something with an aloe vera or some kind of a topical anesthetic, a sting kill, afterbite, some of those things if there's been a sting or a bug bite, of course bandages, gauze and tapes for that sort of thing, band-aid, fingertip band-aid, you need large area band-aids, gauze and that sort of thing to um, to wrap up some cuts and burns and scrapes. Yeah, I learned a lesson that day. Uh, I have... Um... Band-Aids in my EDC bag now. (laughs) So even though I can handle gunshots, I can handle knife wounds, I could even handle a a limb amputation, I can also handle just having a Band-Aid there as well. You know, preppers talk a lot about covering the basics. Water, fire, shelter, food, security, communications. But the question is, are we overlooking the simple in our preps? It's something that we've had to come back, take a look at in our own personal lives. We carry a water filter, 
but we also carry bottled water in the car. If if we're stuck in a traffic jam and we're thirsty, much better to reach over and pull out that bottle of water than it is to pull out that water filter and go find a mud puddle to get a drink of water out of. Well, it causes you to start thinking about what are the things that could happen? And I think this is the difference between someone who is a prepper and values that experience and practice and someone else who does not understand why anyone thinks that way or they think that preppers are all completely doom and gloom when a prepper is simply being prepared. Ladies carry a purse and some of these purses are huge. And, and I've dangerous. carried big purses. Why do we carry a purse, ladies? And some men carry a, a man purse. They call them purse. Why do we carry a, a container bag and what's in it? I mean, if you really analyze it, is that not being a prepper? That's as, that's a good a definition of prepper as I've ever seen. A woman's going to carry everything she thinks she's going to need that day, that week. And she carries a lot of other things for other people, too. A lot of times, if you're the one with the purse, you find out that other people around you that don't have one want you to carry this, want you to carry that. They just want you to have those items and the articles that are just going to be necessary for you to get through your day. So you need to begin to think about, okay, I'm on my way to work, and I'm going to be coming home from work, or I'm going to be going to the store, picking up my kids, going to the school, what have you. You know, the odds are that nothing major is going to happen today. Not right. The odds are nothing The grid's major. going to stay up. Mm -hmm. The world's going to keep going on. But we're going to have those little things that happen little. along the way. And a lot of times people become a prepper after the fact. Yeah, and I've learned a lot as a as a practical prepper myself about things that have happened to me before have caused me to think differently today. And that's what we're trying to encourage you to do, to understand that what what is your assessment of what could possibly happen while you're out on the road, out with your kids at the park, meeting people walking up and down the sidewalk, just your everyday hours of life, the, your daily routines, what's going to happen inside your home, outside of your home, that is going to cause you to think about the items and the skills and the articles that you're going to need to be able to address the unforeseen events that happen, especially seems like whenever you've got children, young children, everywhere from infants to who knows how old teenagers, stuff's going to happen. People are forever talking about the stuff their children get into. You've, you've just got to be prepared for some things to happen. You just don't want to be panicking and, and have right. a, at a loss. But the whole point of today's episode is that uh, don't get locked in on preparing for just the major things that can happen. Yes, the grid can go down. Yes, we can have an EMP. Yes, we could have a CME. There are all kinds of things that could happen. But I can pretty much guarantee you that these little things of life are going to happen. So we need to not overlook the simple things in our preps. Well, that's it for Episode 7. We thank you for listening. Please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. That helps uh, make the podcast available for more people to hear. And if you know someone who needs to start prepping or recently started or someone who's even been preparing for years, please share the podcast with them. You can find us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. Our email is info at practicalprepping.info. And our website, again, is practicalprepping.com.
info. We do want to thank you for listening to the Practical Prepping Podcast. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.